welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley with uh, with that, you know, that fall crispness in my voice. Right? Can you tell? So it's still it's still humid in New York. <laughs> That's what, what I'm saying is I'm still sweaty. Uh, uh, this week we're going to be talking about Ad Astra. Uh, but before we get to that, we wanted to give our pick for sad space movie. I think this is a genre Ty's really into. No, it's not. Is it? Ty, Ty what's the second best Russian film? Solaris. <laughs> is that a sad space movie? It's very sad and very spacey. You're right. <laughs> I can't deny it. But I feel like... It's something compelling about it. Well, yeah, it's because it's because we always go to the stars looking for stuff we think we can't find because we can't find it here, but we can't really find it because we can't find it anywhere. That's why this. That's why space is sad, Reed. But what, what a happy outlook that is. No, well, I don't know. It's just the truth. All right, uh, what is your choice then? Well, Solaris is definitely my favorite sad space movie. That's true. But definitely, and, okay. and the Tarkovsky one, not the Soderbergh one. Oh, I knew that. Maybe the listeners didn't, but Ty's old school. Yeah. I wrote my honors thesis about Solaris by Tarkovsky and the library in the middle of the space station. It's quite amazing. A repository of everything important in human cultural history. Y'all should watch it. Um, I'm also going to go to a deep classic and select WALL-E as my sad space movie. Mm. Wait, have you seen Solaris? Well, the Tarkovsky or the Soderbergh? And it doesn't matter, because the answer is no. Oh, Reed, you'd like it so much. But anyway, the point of that is I haven't seen Wally. Let's trade and do a, a, hit, a quick hit episode. <laughs> what does that mean? We tell each other the plots? You watch Wally. Yeah, you watch Wally. I'll watch Solaris. So we talk about it. <laughs> okay, done. We've never done that before, have we? No, we haven't. Switching things up. Okay. I'm in. Um, I guess before we get into Ad Astro, we want to do a listener shout-out. This is also new. Uh, but one of the people that Remy works with is a, a fan of our podcast. And in a large meeting, he gave a shout-out to our podcast. Which, uh, so, which means he's talked to more people about our podcast than we have. Combined. Yes. <laughs> uh, but we'll, so we'll say, Eamon, thank you for your promotion. We appreciate your fandom and listening. Yes. You get, as soon as we make a commemorative Two Brothers Review mug, you'll get the first one. Remy is going to be so mad. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm, sti- I'm sticking uh, with it, though. Okay. Well, then let's talk about Ad Astra... Uh, what did you expect from this movie before you saw it? I mean, did from the trailer, from anything you read about it, what were you thinking it was going to be about? Well, I thought it was, I mean, I feel like the story is pretty clear from the trailer. I thought it was going to be about a son who's going to have to maybe kill his father to stop him from destroying the world. But I didn't think it was going to be... Did it? I, I thought it was going to be more sci-fi-y. And instead it was near future, I would say, naturalism or realism. Yeah, more pra- yeah, practical, I think. 
and a lot of the things. I feel like the trailer sold it a little bit more as an action movie than it was, or just kind of more high intensity. And there were sort of action set pieces, but a lot of quiet time in between those those items. Yeah, a lot of quiet time. It was so beautiful. This movie was so beautiful. But I. All right, well, let's but I, let's get right but to I that. Just, I just wish it had a little more meat on its bones. It was it was very nearly the perfect movie for me. I really liked it, but but also had a few annoying spots or characteristics. Yeah, let's start with what we liked. We can go back and forth on things. Uh, what was one thing you liked? Well, I just felt like from the first shot, I was I was like, oh, this movie is going to be beautiful. I mean, it's amazing, and I loved it. I loved I loved the the way it was shot, the the grainy nature, the light, the kind of um, not soft focus, but just I just thought things going in and out of focus the reflections on space masks um i like the close-ups at first they got kind of old by the end but is the is the first shot you're talking about the one where it's like the the beam of light and it rotates and then you see his space mask yeah. okay because i also really liked also very early on he sort of wakes up walks through the space station and it's like it's voice his voice is over it and then he opens the hatch and he's on that huge tower and it just felt like kind of sort of a long running shot that led to that view of the earth from you know eight miles up or whatever i thought that was also so pretty mm-hmm. good little twist there yeah what'd you like uh honestly all of the rocket Takeoffs, landings. I thought they were so pretty. Just like the detail of the moon, um, the look of it coming off of Mars. I thought those views that were put it in perspective. Maybe the moon landing, especially where it looks like they're you know they're lined up, and it looks like they're just going to land on this little circle, and then you get a shot from that from the station, and you, and you realize it's huge, and the lander is kind of small and just you know landing on one little spot of that. I think that kind of perspective shift was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more? I've got, I've got more. Oh, I liked the... I liked the... Um, focus on the relationship between him and his father. And just the... I mean, it's kind of a... It's definitely a slight drama. It's a slight... doesn't have a lot of weight to it, but... Um, it's a... It is a real drama for him for the pain that he feels for the disconnection he feels and I, I just found it very emotional I think I think because the pictures were so beautiful and I got to have time to contemplate I appreciated that so yes. I got I think he got a, a big bang for his buck story wise like it's a, it is a slight story but when you have that kind of beautiful shots and the music I thought was beautiful you just really get to contemplate I liked it right I think they also did interesting things with the color. Like I especially think of that hallway in right when they get to Mars and it's all red. Uh, but I feel like on the moon, things were sort of grayed out and, you know, on Saturn, they had, it was just more of a greenish blue hue or Neptune at the end. Um, I thought that worked pretty well. It was, pretty, it was affecting to have sort of that shift in 
the color palette, depending on where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it would have been fun to be the production designer on the moon base and the in the Mars base. I think I also liked how sort of understated some of his, or like they didn't make it so obvious. I think with his relationships, like with uh, Liv Tyler, or I, I don't know, it just wasn't. It was minimalist, I think, in how they displayed things, and I, I did like that. Mostly, I think you're right. I think I think there were one of my major complaints, which isn't super huge, but there were scenes where I felt like there was a ton of exposition. Where I liked, like for example, how he they treated his wife or ex-wife. It's left unexplained. It's it the story is told visually. You have her out of focus, leaving the house. I wish they would have done that more with uh, how he felt about things, too. I mean, obviously we haven't talked about this yet, but he has the very strong voiceover narration that I'm not saying... I mean, I'm not saying that they should have necessarily taken it out and done things visually because the point was the narration. I don't don't think they were... It's not like they were using the narration because they couldn't do it visually. It's I think they wanted the narration. What, uh, what, what I the narration bothered me at first. I was just like, oh, this is a lot of talking. But then it, it made me feel more like a really like a sci-fi story, right? Like you're you're with that protagonist. You can see inside of his head. It, it's more like how you would film a a book where, you know, you you understand how Brad Pitt's character is feeling, but in a movie, you just have to show him. You know, and that, with that voiceover to, to get those things across. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think... I just don't think they had to show it to get those things across. I think they wanted... It was an aesthetic choice. They wanted to have that that voice because it creates an intimacy with the, with the character and it create And it, it also kind of puts it in a genre of um, travel movies or, like, journey movies. I mean, it's, it's it's super parallel to Apocalypse Now. Have you seen that? Yes. And after I saw it last night, I was reading about it this morning, and it was intentional. Or I don't know if that's true, but it, he he I heard I saw that the director said they were very aware when they were writing it that it was like Apocalypse Now. So I think I think they're just trying to put it in a certain genre of movie, which is the kind that has that voiceover and that self-reflective narrator. Okay, but do you think it it worked or it was too much or uh the times when it was the best for me was were when he wasn't explaining things. So I mean I think it's interesting to have a contemplative self-aware person talking about things that are interesting. I don't think it's interesting to have a character saying, oh, shoot, I don't know what to do now. Because we know that. We already know that. So so anyway, sometimes I thought it was great, and sometimes I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, not, you're not adding anything right now. We could just be with this character, and it'd be fine. Yeah. Okay, before we talk about things that maybe we didn't like, is there anything else you want to make sure we talk about that you liked? Well, I didn't realize this while I was watching it, uh, but reading about it later, they intentionally made it like the story of um, Odysseus's son in the you know in the Odyssey, 
Uh, apparently he goes after his father. I don't know the original story well enough to know very well, you know, how much it was similar, but my guess is he sails after his father and he gets attacked by pirates and he loses a trusted older mentor who knew his father. My, my guess is that all those things are very much from the Greek um, original story. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, all stories are retelling of stories, right? Is there, is there anything original anymore? I think so, but it, I mean, yeah, as I was thinking about it, as I was reading about it and thinking about it, I, I really do love stories that retell older stories. Uh, I think they're very valuable, but I think it's also, I mean, I, I'm not going to say right now that you couldn't write an original story too, because I have that dream. So I'm, okay. so I'm not giving up on it, but, but you're right. Most stories are, and, and anytime you can connect to a past story, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I'm sure it's a small percentage of audiences that would make that connection on their own. Yeah, but when there's when there's pirates on the moon, that's what that's when I was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> that was a more sci-fi nature. Like, there's scarce resources, and it's there are border disputes and pirates that are sheltered by other countries. Yeah, but also their ship was ridiculous. If there really were pirates, oh, just an open yeah, buggy, they would give them. No weapons. Especially when you're close enough to Earth to have a Nathan's hot dogs, you could get an arm, uh, you know, an armored vehicle up there too. Yeah, and it would be like a super heavy one. Like you just get a the the military would build a super heavy rover so that it can't be bumped off course, you know. And like, why is that the best way to get to the dark side of the moon? Yeah, Some... fly there. <laughs> get a helicopter. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, so I think I had some problems with that scene. Uh, it also took me out of the movie when they get to Mar- Mars and it's Natasha Leone checking people and being in. So crazy. There was like a she was bringing a lot of energy to that scene. Yeah, she, yeah, she was. But it was not tonally consistent with the movie, especially if that Mars is a military base. Wait, was she Mars or was she the Moon? She was Mars. You're sure? Yes. Yeah? 90%. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, but then there was the guy who's in charge on Mars with the hair bun. <laughs> the man bun. Yeah, he's like the meat, the meat, the media guy. <laughs> yeah. And you think he's in charge, but then the older woman takes over. Anyway. And and you never so, we never find out if the father did respond or what message was sent back. You think he did respond though, right? Yeah. Because they decided they had enough to send a mission. Yeah, with the, the nuclear weapon. Um, and also, like, I don't understand how the the woman managing the base who didn't have security clearance did have footage of the father admitting that there was a mutiny and he killed his staff. Like, if it's such top secret, how did she know that? How was she able to share that with him? Yeah, she, her character was frustrating, too. She was very convenient. Yeah. She wouldn't have been told that. I mean, they made a point of saying her security clearance was low. Right. And then she just had it on a video. It does, it, that, I was like, what? No. Yeah. Not great. That monkey attack to him getting on the spaceship, so all of Mars, was definitely the weakest part of the movie for me. Okay. But that monkey attack was amazing, though, right? 
but so superfluous. It did not need to happen. I'm 100% sure that it happened because it happens in the Odyssey. Well, I didn't know they were basing it on the Odyssey when I had this original thought of mine that it was unnecessary. Okay, well, think about what that means for what you said earlier about how there's no original stories. Are you saying that the Odyssey had an element that was unnecessary? Probably. It is like 500 pages. But think about it. It adds something to it. It's like it adds to the like it actually adds to the arbitrary let me think how to say this part of the point of the movie is life's arbitrary and we live for each other and this guy who's a commander of a spaceship one day gets mauled to death and dies and it's like that's it that's his life i think it's pretty important for establishing that um that feeling or that you know motif Life's short, precious, precious, and arbitrary. We're lucky to be here. But they've had they had other people die. They had that lieutenant die on the moon. A lot of people die. And more than one. Okay. I thought you could have cut that section out. Oh, I love that scene. Did you see it coming? Did you know the gorillas or or whatever that animal that baboon was going to be? No, I had no idea. I mean, something bad was going to happen on that ship, right? Yeah, well, yeah, probably. I loved it. I don't mean to nitpick because I actually did like this movie a lot. But the probability of them interacting with another spaceship on a 19-day space journey, how would their paths ever cross? Well, there's there's a, a road to Mars, you know? It's not, I mean, ships would be along the road to Mars. I don't know, dude. What the crap? <laughs> <laughs> I, that part doesn't bother you, there's probably hundreds of ships so it's not crazy that they come across one okay I think it's fine it's such a little thing it doesn't matter it's cause you it's cause you don't like Norwegians what <laughs> I don't know <laughs> also the 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 ship's mate the first cat whatever the first mate guy who has to take over but he's a pansy that's a weird thing that never really gets resolved either so i saw this movie with with uh, another one of my friends trevor and he thought because brad pitt helped out the first mate land and didn't report him they sort of had a relationship and then when brad pitt got on the spaceship to leave mars that first mate helped him out a little bit like Push them into overdrive to stop those other two from being able to kill Brad Pitt. No. Like maybe you think the first mate still wanted to kill Brad Pitt as soon as he got on the spaceship. He went back there and shot at him. He's a bad shot then. Well, sure. Okay, I I don't know. I just thought that that is one theory that it sort of comes back that way. No, but after he puts him into hyperdrive and, and kills the woman, he then goes back and shoots at him. So I don't know how you could say that he's trying to help him. I don't know. You don't know what he was trying to hit. You think he meant to hit the uh, the his own crew member? Uh, yeah. That, oh, I would guess. If if this theory is true, if that relationship pays off at all, that's, I guess, how it could do it. No, I think he's more full of shame that he needed, that Brad Pitt had to bail him out. And that's why Brad Pitt has to say, I'm not going to tell anyone, don't worry, because he knows that what he just did to him was total humiliation 
And I think that guy's more likely to want to kill him after that. That's a dark way of looking at it. <laughs> well, I'm an alpha male, and I know... It might be... <laughs> I know what it would feel like if someone helped me. <laughs> um, well, I guess we haven't, we haven't talked too much about him meeting Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, how do you feel like that interaction was or kind of that relationship? I kind of wanted there to be something more than just... Um, I felt like I felt like there was no twist. It was pretty predictable where he was just, yeah, I don't care about you and... I've been trying to do this thing and we failed. There's no like lesson learned or character transformation. Yeah. I mean, I think people made Tommy Lee Jones out to be a hero, right? But it's pretty strongly implied that he like beat Brad Pitt when he was, he was a, co- a child. Like he was very abusive to him early on. I didn't know that he beat him. Where'd you get that? I thought it was implied in one of like the flashbacks or one of the memories that Brad Pitt had. Like, I don't think he was a good father, even when he was on earth. Yeah, that's true. I, don't, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like he beat him, but I think he, I did feel like he was a okay. bad father. But I think the twist came from, um, I think the twist came from him just saying, I never cared about you. You never mattered to me. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, that was a little surprising. We would expect him to want to get back, but I guess it, I don't. I don't know. It was that even wasn't that surprising actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick by my original position because he not not so because surprising. he never. I mean, he could have sent a message back and he didn't. Yeah, he stopped communicating. Uh, and then, do you think there was intelligent life? Is that what that light was that guided Brad Pitt back to the spaceship? See, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's the, one of the mysteries of the movie. I, I, I think I think he's yeah. saying there's not. I think that guy. I don't, I don't know what that light was. That's it was it was kind of weird to me, because I, I say that especially having read interviews with the director since watching it, where he said that this movie is not 2001: Space Odyssey because in that movie there is extraterrestrial life that gives more meaning to our existence. And he really didn't want that. He wanted in this movie to say, we're all we got, you know? Well, then maybe it is just coincidence and showing that Brad Pitt was able to take care of himself, you know, could, could use his own intelligence to get, to get back. Yeah. Sure. Seems like those rocks would have like perforated that metal though. Killed him in a second. (laughs) No way. Just one of them nicks his suit. It's also, park your ship on the same side as the asteroid belt as the other exactly. ship. There's no reason to go through the rock field. Or tie your little spaceship to the other spaceship. Just carabiner it just, on. T- just tether yeah. it. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a pretty solitary movie. I mean, you're with Brad Pitt. In almost every scene, right? Except for flashbacks. And even then. Yeah. How do you think he did handling that? Being able to kind of emote or really suppress his emotions? I thought he was great. But this is, yeah. I mean, I think this is his kind of movie. His kind of role. Where he... Yeah, I think think it was good. I hope, I mean, if he wins an Oscar, I hope it's for this, not for 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I did not like him in that one. And there wasn't enough shirt off in Ad Astra. <laughs> Although there was some when he was doing those muscle workouts. At one time. That's true. Yeah. I thought he I thought he did a good job. I mean, he does seem kind of like a contain, contain, uh, cantankerous old man. Not old man, but a guy who has a hard time connecting to people. And I just think it's very close to Brad Pitt's probably real character. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts for this movie before we wrap up? Mm, no. Just, I mean, another shout-out for that music. I thought the music was awesome. Yeah, I think they really on the technical side of things. I like the set design. I like the music. Um, I like the cinematography. I thought this movie it had a good aesthetic that I appreciated. I liked being in it. Yeah. Did you watch it in IMAX? Uh, no, but a big theater. No, but you were near the front. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I held my iPhone really close to oh, my good. eyes. Oh, you got the video I sent over. All right, what would you rate Ad Astra out of five? Time? I think it's a four out of five for me. I'm also going to give it a four. I think it was great. Yeah. Nice. What else do you have to recommend for our listeners? Can't It can't be Tottenham because they're like win, draw, loss, draw, last five. It's pretty rough. Well, that's... That's not that. Look, Tottenham's not perfect, okay? We don't follow them because they're perfect. We follow them because they're Tottenham. It has been a rough few days or weeks. Uh, no, I was going to say Official Secrets. I kind of thought I wouldn't like it, but I ended up liking it more than I thought I would. It's a good little film. Oh, no. You told me about that. I'm going to go see it. I guess we won't. Oh, it could be a podcast. Talk about it. A podcast. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. It, it's, yeah, it's the kind of movie, it's super political, but that's all right, I guess, sometimes. I'm just, I'm not a huge fan of movies that have a political bent. Oh, too conservative-leaning for uh, you? Yeah. <laughs> Koch brothers must have funded it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I watched the trailer after you told me about it. It looks very similar to some other, like, the, what was the one last year? The the Post? Yeah. And The Report, I think, is going to be like that, too. The Adam Driver movie that's coming out this fall. It's sort of that exposing the corruption of the government. Did you see that one at Sundance? I did, oh. yeah. Yeah. If Official Secrets is as good as The Report, I, I will like it. I thought The Report was great. I'm going to a bunch of indie movies this weekend, so I'll have some more. Things to suggest? Okay. Uh, for me, I watched the first couple episodes of a miniseries on Netflix called Spy, and it's uh, Sasha Baron Cohen as an Israeli spy in the 60s trying to infiltrate Syria. That's been good so far. I like it. I met one of the actors in that show. I think the guy who plays Bashar al-Assad. Wow. At a party in L.A. when I was there this summer. Voila! <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that was the closest I got to 
to the seems to the power. <laughs> he said it, he said he could come to his game night, and I gave him my card, and he's going to email me to go to a game night at his house with a bunch of comedy writers. He thought I'd really like it, and I never got an email. Oh, that's rough. rough. <laughs> it's weird for him to bring up his game night and tell you he'd invite you and then still not invite right? you. Right? It's not like I was asking. Also, you have a business card? <laughs> of course I have a business card. I don't have a personal like business card. I don't Yet, know. You don't go to networking events in Hollywood. I'm ready. That's true. You're not a businessman. You're a business man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means, but I'll take it. It's a, it's a Jay-Z lyric. So. That's why I don't know what that is. <laughs> Uh, uh, I just thought you lived in New York. You should know about Jay-Z. I, I live in New York now, not 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us this week for Two Brothers Review the Podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And uh, let us know if you promote our podcast and we'll give you a shout out. That's right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>